But the big story. Um, look at Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. I don't know about you, but I, I always wondered before I became a Christian what the meaning of life was. I felt a bit confused by life. Having not been brought up as a Christian, having never experienced God, when my atheistic father told me about life, he just simply said, you're like an apple and you live your life and then you fall off the apple and you die on the ground and then you disappear. I said, thanks, Dad. I think I was five. And, and I was raised an atheist. Uh, but I always wondered, this is how I felt. I felt like I'd turned up at a movie, 40 minutes into the movie, and the movie was War and Peace, and I had not got a clue what was going on. And I sat there trying to work out the plot. I sit there trying to work out what's going on. I sit there and wondering, who are these people? What are they doing here? What am I doing here? What is the plot and what is the story? And the reality in society is that many people within our Western world and within our world have kind of woken up and they feel like the life is a movie and they're halfway through the movie and they have no idea what was the beginning. They have no idea what is the end and they have no idea why they're here. But the truth is, is that the Bible teaches us that God has written eternity in your heart. In other words... You and I are heading somewhere in eternity. You and I are heading somewhere in the future. And it's where we're heading and which direction we're going. And you may have arrived this morning, even in your Christian life, and you've lost the sense of the big story. You see, stories tell us about life. They explain things to us. The drama, the way our life unfolds. I mean, people love stories, don't they? That's why we go to coffee shops with our friends and we hear stories. That's why when there's a little crash, a moment, or a bump in the car, we like to know what's gone on. Human beings, their favorite activity is gossiping. Of course, they're doing it for prayer needs. But they, they, love, they love to gossip. We love to tell stories. Who's doing what? What leaders can we trust? What situation is this? We Stories help us figure out the meaning of life. Stories help us understand what life is all about. When you hear somebody else's story, your preconceived ideas about that person changes, true? That's happened to me numerous times. I mean, I've been in pastoral ministry and in ministry for over 30 years. But I've, uh, I've experienced many wonderful moments where I've, I've kind of pinned a person as somebody that's really miserable and horrible and doesn't like me. And then they've come and shared their story with me. And I realized, wow, what's going on within them? I changed my whole view of them, maybe. I remember there was a, an older man... And, um, and I always thought he was very miserable, I always thought he was, and he did, he kind of had that austere luck, miserable, he came to my church in England, and he'd sit there, he'd leave, he would always wear leather, a kind of, I was very suspicious of him, 
He was really, um, he seemed really troubled. I was a bit anxious. I thought, I wonder what this guy is all about. And I watched him and I saw him and I, I kind of got to know him a little bit. I welcomed him. And one day on Christmas morning, I gave an appeal to give a life to Jesus. And he was sat right there. He's put his hand and gave his life to Jesus. And I sat down with him some time later and I started to talk to him and he told me about a story about how he'd been an alcoholic for 25 years. He told me a story about how his wife had committed suicide and how later on his oldest son had also committed suicide. As I looked into his eyes... I went from my kind of external judgmental view to understanding that his story and the lights went on. I understand it. And it taught me something very early on in ministry is that you can never judge anybody. And everybody has a story that will make you cry. Everybody has a story that will make you cry. If you spend long enough with anybody, that story will make you cry. And you know that. And that stories add context. But the thing is within society is that actually people are lost. They've lost any sense of story. They're making stories up and they're making ideas up. But they've got no sense of the big story. And there is a big story. If you listen to scientists and people and they'll say that the universe and the world is here by accident. And that's how it was created. And then if you really push them, they'll tell you something like, you know, that the world and the universe is going to end in an accident. Can I tell you that you are not here as an accident? You are here because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, You are here because there is an epic, amazing, incredible story. And that story is unfolding on a universal level. And God has invited us into this great adventure. And he has written eternity on our hearts. And he's called us into an epic adventure of God being with us and where that journey leads us. The challenge we have. If we're nominal in our Christianity, the challenge we have, that if we are willing to live our lives unaware, is that we lose the story that God is writing in our lives. God is writing a story in your life. Human beings love stories. We love adventures from, from films like Titanic with, with Kate and Jack. I, <coughs> Titanic. What a film that is. I don't want to spoil it for you at the end, but the ship sinks. And it's an amazing story. And and there's the character, Jack, on on board the ship and running around. And he meets Kate and they fall in love. And it's a romance story. And then the ship hits an iceberg. And the ship, and they're on top of the very top of the Titanic. And he's holding her hand and there's romance there. And and there's that, that classic moment when they go to the bow of the front of the Titanic. I don't know if you've seen the film. Uh, it's the most watched film. And, um, and, and he stretches out and he whispers to her, do you trust me? And they kind of leans out. Do you know that scene? Yeah. Yeah, I tried it with my wife. It didn't work. Um, <laughs> do you trust me? No. Um, 
get away from this edge. Ah, oh, play the music. No, no, you're, you're scaring me, weird, weird husband. And, but, but we love romance. The ship goes down and he whispers to her, keep hold of my hand as they go down. And then, then she dies. I, I took my mother to Titanic. And at the end of, the, of the, that particular version of it, of course, the old Kate comes back to the spot of the Titanic, takes the diamond, throws it in the air, and the diamond goes back down to the Titanic, if you know that little story. And my mother sat there, I don't know how old she was, she went, oh, well, that's a big waste, isn't it? <laughs> um, right in the middle of the cinema. But in that story, you have romance. In that story, you have adventure. In that story, you have rescue. In that story, you have sacrifice. As Jack dies to give space for her to live right there and then. And you see those elements of utter romantic love. Those elements of seeking and rescuing. Those elements of life and adventure, that's what we love about storytelling. Because in every great story, there is an author. In every great story, there is a villain. In every great story, there are participants. And in every great story, there is a battle, an opposition. And there's a journey, and there's an end, and there's a glorious end. But there's always that love, and always that rescue, and always that romance. Why do human beings beings love that great story. We love that great story because it is a dim reflection of the greatest story in the world that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And at the very essence of the Trinity is the greatest romance that exists. The romance of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You see, God has never been alone. God is love. And his love is present. If you talk to scientists and mathematicians, they'll honestly tell you that at the end, if you boil the whole of the universe down, you'll end up with a mathematical equation. No. If you boil the universe down to the very center, you will meet the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who are love. And there is the meaning of life. And there, and when you look at creation, and you look at our beautiful mountains, and you look at the trees, you look at our Lake Okanagan, you look at the world that we live in, you see the beauty of this world. I tell you what, it takes our breath away when you drive through Banff. It is amazing when you visit places like Hawaii. That is an expression of God's love language, of the character of the creator, who is the author of or life. And that author invites you and I into the most epic story, epic journey we can ever step into. See, God's never been alive. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God. Jesus Christ was with God in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. 
present, there, at work. And so I want to encourage you that your Christian journey is like an epic story. And this epic story is that you and I are invited in. And within this epic story, there are battles to be fought. And you know the battles that you're fighting. Within this epic story, there is love to be experienced. There is disappointment to walk through. There are valleys to travel through. Things do not always turn out on this epic story. And you're part of that epic story. That's why we love the Lord of the Rings. With little Frodo coming out and and Gandalf turning up. Tolkien's brilliance. And they pull out the ring that has to be delivered to save Middle Earth. And it's an adventure. And Sam Ganges is there. A big, little stocky, little, big, whatever. And, <laughs> and he's, he's there. And I, I love the stories. Me and my, my son, we love to watch films together. We watch The Hobbit all the way through. And then we watch The Lord of the Rings all the way through. This is when my wife goes away. And... <laughs> And every night we watch a film together and eat popcorn and drink soda. Ah, it's heavenly. Um, And and the thing that strikes me is that there are the obstacles. There are the difficulties. There are the problems. There are these that come against us. But they were invited. Frodo and his Sam and his little band of the Fellowship of the Ring were invited in to an epic journey. They were invited in to travel up and beyond. And the day you gave your life to Jesus Christ is the day that you were invited in to the greatest epic journey of your life. And you've got to be willing to let Jesus Christ write your story in your life. Be willing to go. And I said this to the teenagers their heart, that they're beginning their journey. For those of you that are towards the end of that journey, you know that it's been marked with great victories. It's been marked with great disappointments. You've experienced pain and suffering. You've experienced great provision and wonderful riches. You found treasures in your life. You found romance in your life. But all the time, the constant has been that God has been with you. And God invites us into this. But the truth is this. In any great epic story, there's an enemy. Whether it's those Horsemen chasing Frodo, trying to stop him getting the ring there. Or whether it's Darth Vader in the Star Wars epic of nine films. That's another one we did. Nine of them. There's actually 21 films in the Avenger films. That's good. We, we, we developed a spreadsheet, me and my son. And... <laughs> Again, stories of rescue, stories of heroes, stories of against great evil that comes. Why is this? Because those stories, whether it's the Avengers, whether it's Star Wars, whether it's um, Narnia, whether it's the story of will Dorothy get home and get back to Kansas. Kansas, have you been there? Uh, but, but whatever. You get back, you get home, you go through, you follow your yellow brick road. 
These are dim reflections. But in every story, there's opposition. In every great story, there is a battle. The truth is this, friends. If you are a believer, there is a spiritual battle going on all around us. The world is at war. And there is an unseen world that exists. There are angels. In Daniel, uh, what's that? In Daniel 10.4, it talks about Daniel was stirred by the Tigris. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appeared wearing a white robe, a gold belt. His, his thighs, it's very descriptive. His thighs were like bronze. His arms were like bronze. His face shone like lightning coming out of his face. His eyes were like torch. And when he spoke, he spoke like a multitude speaking. That means he spoke like Roger's Arena, full up of people at a concert, all speaking at the same time. The angel was present right there. And that should comfort us. That we know that God's army is great. And on your epic journey... On your pilgrimage with Jesus, through the mountains and through to valleys and through the problems that you face, you will know that the hosts of the Lord are with you, that the Lord is guiding you, that the Lord strengthens you, that the Lord is writing your journey with you. He is the author and his heart is of love, but the enemy exists. See, the world is of two hearts. We don't like to talk about this sometimes in church. I don't know why not. Because we all know there's an enemy. We all know that he lies. We all know who he was. Ezekiel tells us that you were the anointed as a guardian cherubim. For I ordained you. And you are on the holy mountain. And you walked through those fiery stones. Talking about the pride of Satan. The pride of Lucifer, who came and lucked and wanted to be worshipped. He was the captain. He was the one who led the worship. He was the beautiful one. But he turned like any great dictator, like Hitler, like Stalin, like Mao, like those that want to be worshipped. Pride grabbed hold of his heart. Like... Anakin Skywalker, who went from, from being this person to being turned to being t- towards darkness. Like anybody, they hear the angel turned against God, rebelled against his maker, took a third of the angelic powers away and brought down. And a battle over Eden began. And there in the garden... There, original sin entered the world. And ever since then, humanity have been trying to discover our great story again. We've been trying to discover our calling again. We've been trying to discover what this is all about. And when you discover Jesus, you discover meaning. When you discover Jesus, you discover the right story. When you discover Jesus, you get up every morning and you know that you are on an epic adventure An epic journey. I love being a Christian. Because it's an epic journey. It has its battles. 
has its problems, has its challenges. But I'm traveling with Christ. But I have an enemy that wants to lie, that wants to bind me up, that wants to shackle me, that wants to tell me that I'm worthless, that wants to tell me that I'll never achieve anything, that wants to tell me that I'm a bad husband, a bad father, that wants to tell me that we won't get through this problem, that wants to tell me that you're weak, and yet I know that the power of original sin works. But have you ever heard about the power of original glory? You see, there's a longing in our hearts for paradise. There's a longing in our hearts for love. There's a longing in our hearts for romance. That's why we go to places like Hawaii on honeymoon. That's why we go to Cancun. That's why we go to Tuscany on our honeymoon. That's why we don't go to Regina. Because maybe you did. And I'm going to get letters about that. I'm sorry. Honeymoon, vacation spots, Regina, Saskatchewan. But, but the reason is because we long for Eden. You get off the plane in Hawaii, I'd never been until last year, and it sport me for life. And I get off the plane, or a couple of years ago, actually, when I was on my sabbatical, I get off my, the plane, and it's like I'd come home. I just like, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah, is there a church in Hawaii I can pastor? <laughs> this is awesome. And the Lord said, not a chance. You're staying right where you are. And I'm like, this is heaven. Oh, duh, I felt very romantic all of a sudden. Let's go and drink fruit juices, darling, and walk barefoot along the beach. It was gorgeous. Gorgeous. I stopped thinking about it. It was gorgeous. That's because original sin caused us to lose our story. Original glory is what we're longing after. Original glory. The original story. The author of heaven and earth. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You've been invited into your epic journey. And the problem is, you forget that you're on the greatest quest that you've ever been called to go on. And we can lose direction because in the middle of that quest, there are problems. You say, what, who, me? Look at Moses. A loser. Lost himself in the wilderness. Forty years comes across a burning bush and God chooses him. What about David, a young boy in the, in the fields, the youngest of the family, and the Lord chooses him to be the greatest king in Israel? What about the fishermen on the Sea of Galilee? That there they are, and they're just fishing, poor, not known. And he comes to them and he calls them and says, come, follow me and I will make you fishermen of men. Doesn't this tell you something? He takes ordinary people and he invites them on the greatest adventure of your life. And your Christian life is that greatest adventure. But you know, this enemy is real. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been Sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. 
You and I are still in a battle. But you know, we are heading towards a final destination. We're heading towards a final destination. We live our lives and then, and then we are beautifully. At that moment, we are moved and promoted to that place. In Revelations, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any say. I saw a new heaven, a new earth. Every great epic story, and this is why C.S. Lewis became a Christian, by the way. Because he understood all the great sagas of the ancient world and all the great stories. And then he looked at the story of Jesus Christ and the story of God and the story of the Hebrew Bible. And he realized that that is the real story and the rest of the stories are just mere shadows of the greatest story. That's why. And when we're involved in this great story, we have a destination. You see, we have a place. In the Lion King... The, the, the lion came back, defeated his evil uncle. And the land was restored and, and, and flourished again. And great life came again. Of course, Dorothy made it back to Kansas. Eventually, Middle Earth was saved. Eventually, at the end, it was all salvation came. Why? Well, first of all, we have a thief, an enemy. I've mentioned that. He wants to steal our hearts. He wants to steal our future. He wants to steal our lives. He wants to steal the magic and wonder out of your life. But secondly, we're on a journey to the greatest day. We're on the journey to the greatest party ever seen in the universe. On that day, we are going to a wedding feast. Where the bride of Christ, the church of Christ, will be united. And you and I have been invited to this feast. And it is a glorious feast. The Bible calls it by many names. It will be the wedding feast. It is the new Jerusalem. It is the day when God creates all new things. A new heaven and a new earth. It is the... The wonderful moment, the happy ever after moment is what we preach. Why? Because salvation comes through Christ nailed upon the cross. And on the third day, Easter came, Jesus rose again. And he rose again so that he could bring life and salvation and resurrection and hope to the whole of humanity. So where do we finish with this? Three things I really want to share with you. Number one, things are not as they seem. In other words, there is a whole different dimension that exists. And it's amazing in the New Testament how much it talks about this. That there's a spiritual dimension of God's kingdom and of darkness. You just look around the world and you see the poverty. You see the terrorism. You see the injustice. You see the pain. You see the agony. 
Things are not as they seem. And God has chosen you to enter this world as his servant, as his traveler, as his warrior, as the one called to go on this epic journey. But remember, things are not as they seem. The second thing is that we are at war. And it's something we forget. There is a battle going on for the heart of the nation. There's a battle going on for the world that we live in. And for some of us, we have stepped out of the battle and we're no longer in the battle. You've stopped the story. Somehow you've fallen asleep in the middle of your story. You've fallen asleep in the middle of that journey. And so we remember we're at war. And number three, if there's an epic tale to be told, the truth is, dear Christians, you and I have a part to play in this epic story. You and I have a journey. You and I have a role. The people we meet is part of our epic journey. The people we serve is part of that epic journey. Our journey, we are on that. And every morning we need to wake up and know that this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. That every day I need to wake up and know that he has he ordered my steps, that I'm on this journey. Every day God has a purpose for us that will make a difference in our lives. Through the tough times and through the good times. Through the highs and through the lows. And I know our congregation so well, having been here just close to 10 years. Our many congregations, I know you well. I know the sadness we share together. I know the journey that we are on. But we are all heading towards that new Jerusalem. We're all heading towards that moment. But we have a part to play. And our part is summed up in the great manifesto of Jesus Christ. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness from the prisoner. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. We have a calling. And this is our calling. We are on an epic mission, and we have a mission. That's why your prayers count. That's why on Monday night, Willow One Prayer, you gathering in that little gathering is the most powerful thing that can happen in our church because we have the weapons to fight the battle. That's what I teach you in Set Free, that we have the power of confession. We have the power of forgiveness. We have the power of freedom. We can step in to the knowledge that Christ has won the victory and equip ourselves for this journey. 
So there's always an author, there's always a villain, there's always a quest towards the end, and there's always the antagonist who steps in and says, I'm willing to go on the journey. And are you willing to be that, actually that protagonist? Are you willing to step onto that journey, to be that figure in your world and say, I'm going to go on this epic journey with the Lord Jesus Christ in my life? For some of you, you've been on the journey for decades. Don't allow yourself to become dull. Get back into the journey. Get back into the fight. Get back into the epic journey. And let the Lord take you and use you. Let's stand together. I want to ask you now. Are you available to live and to serve Christ in the journey that Christ has called you to go? Are you available? Or have you lost the map? Have you lost your compass? Have you lost your direction? I preached these thoughts over three nights to a new generation of grade six through to grade twelves. But as I preached it, I preached it to myself again because I realized that sometimes even in my own life, with the tyranny of the busy, I can forget the journey that God has put me on. And for all of us at some point, we need to rededicate ourselves to the quest that God has put us on. Say, yes, Lord. I am willing. I am willing to journey. I am willing to keep going. Father, it's a hard journey. And we are willing to pick up our cross and follow you. And we all have different paths to follow. And different journeys to go. But I pray for every one of us. As we seek. As men. To raise our children. Our grandchildren. Our great grandchildren. As we seek the epic adventure of our careers and work, we know that the world is not as it seems, but we want to serve you in this world. As we seek as women to honor God and walk that journey for both us here today, Lord, each one of us, our gifts, our abilities, we want to hand them over to you, Lord. And say, Lord, I'm available to join the big story. I'm available, even where I am in life, to keep traveling on the great story of God. 
And it all starts at Calvary. Where Jesus, you bled and died for me. And I see the wonders of his hands and feet. My saviour on that cursed tree. Help us, Lord, to live the journey again. From this point on. As we sing this. Use it as a moment to rededicate your life. To get back on the quest. And to submit to the great author. Stop being lost. And follow Christ. Amen.